Welcome to the College Neuro Network, a podcast series part of Simply Neuroscience's The Synapse. My name is Sasha. And my name is Lena, and we're your hosts for today. The College Neuro Network has discussions with undergraduate students studying neuroscience and neuroscience professors in order to gain insight into the neuroscience department and opportunities in the nation's top universities. Today's episode is focused on Princeton University, a world research university in Princeton, New Jersey, with the heart of a small liberal arts college. With its commitment to undergraduates, built-in research opportunities, and a diverse student body that boasts students from all 50 states and over 100 countries, Princeton ranks number one in national universities by the U.S. News and World Report. Today, joining us is Sabrina, an undergraduate at Princeton University. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today to discuss your experiences at Princeton as a student studying neuroscience. So for our first question, we just wanted to ask if you could very briefly introduce yourself and tell us what sparked your interest in neuroscience and any other subjects you're interested in. Yeah, great. Uh, so first of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Um, so, so yeah, my name is Sabrina. I'm a rising senior in the neuroscience department at Princeton. Um, how I got into neuroscience, I actually hadn't taken any courses in high school about neuroscience before I came to Princeton. Um, it was actually my senior year of high school that I first found out about it. We had an alumni come in from my high school and she sort of was talking about her experience in college and how she was majoring in neuroscience. And I had never even heard of that major, even didn't even know that was a possibility. So I went home, I did some research and, you know, just became really intrigued by the idea of neuroscience about learning about the brain um, and what that, what that could mean for me. Um, and so I decided to go into Princeton, um, declared neuroscience, just took a few classes and then kind of just went on from there. <laughs> And so to start off more broadly, we just wanted to get a general sense of Princeton University. So what would you say are the factors that drew you into committing to the university? Oh, gosh, there's a lot. Um, well, one, it, I'm from New Jersey, uh, so it was really close to home. And that was actually a really important factor in deciding where I wanted to go to school. Um, so having it be really close was a, a great perk. Um, another really big thing was definitely the community that I felt at Princeton. I liked the fact that it was a more small uh, contained campus, whereas I was sort of more used to, I live in a city, so uh, I'm used to, you know, a lot of people everywhere, hustle bustle kind of situation. So I liked the toned down um, life at Princeton. I really liked the fact that it just sort of seemed very community based. Um, and I felt that, you know, there was a strong sense of community at Princeton. Um, and then I think thirdly was mainly just the people that I met there. Everybody was super friendly uh, when I went for my visit uh, and, and that definitely drew me in as well. So I, I think it's a bunch of things. And the campus is gorgeous as, as well. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever, if you ever get a chance to just go by and walk around, it's, it's a great day, it's a great time. <laughs> and obviously studying neuroscience at Princeton specifically, it's an amazing opportunity. But what do you think really makes Princeton's neuroscience department different from other top universities? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think specifically with Princeton, I think what they do such a good job of is the undergraduate focus. So I know at a lot of other universities, you know, they're really well known for, you know, multiple things. And that can be a lot of the times attributed to their graduate colleges and um, 
the work that graduate students put into the university and that's definitely needed and important for the success um, of universities all around the world and in the country. But I think what makes Princeton really unique is the fact that there is such a focus on undergraduate research and uh, work in general. And so at Princeton, you know, specifically in the neuroscience department, as early as freshman year, you can get involved into a lab if that's something that you're interested in. And there's uh, faculty who are very devoted to their undergraduates um, and are very devoted to their teaching and making sure that um, kids are really doing well. So I, I think that's definitely our strongest suit is really how much um, pride and how much time we put into the undergraduates at Princeton. So you talked about a little bit how freshmen can get involved in research. So you're wondering if you could explain more about how independent work and your senior thesis kind of are incorporated into like the curriculum? Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, so there is a senior thesis. So every senior um, has to work for about a year on this big paper that they have to sort of submit at the end of the year. Um, and that can be, in terms of neuroscience, that can sort of become prized in a multitude of ways. You can, one, do a lab-based thesis. So, you know, physically doing an experimental thesis where you're in a lab space, uh, whether working with humans or working with other kinds of specimens. Um, and that can be sort of its own thing. You get your data, you analyze it, and then you write a big paper at the end. Uh, some hope to be published and some people do, and it's great. And I think that's a wonderful opportunity and a great thing to sort of have. Um, other people will sort of focus in on doing um, article reviews. So they'll pick a topic and um, do reviews on that for their senior thesis. Um, Meta-analyses are also really common. Uh, so there's a bunch of things that you can do for your thesis, um, and usually you'll get involved your junior year. So at Princeton, the way that the student body is divided is you're either an engineer or you're not an engineer. And sort of when you're not an engineer, you have to work on a junior paper. So that actually, in neuroscience, what they try to do is make sure that your junior paper is sort of your baseline for your senior thesis. So you start to plan out your ideas, you start to read all the articles that might be relevant to the work that you'll be conducting your senior year. And that's where you'll, you'll start to hone in on what exactly you want to do. Um, in terms of just research in general, at Princeton when you're an undergrad, like I mentioned, you can get involved as early as freshman year, depending on the professor, of course. Um, some labs will be way more filled than others just based on the number of projects that are going on per lab, uh, the number of graduate students that are able to mentor in an undergraduate student, um, because that's usually how it works. You'll be paired up with a grad student, and that will be your primary mentor, along with your advisor, who is typically the um, the lab coordinator, the professor of that lab. So, um, so yeah, if you have a, if you find a professor that meets your interests that, you know, say you take a class and uh, you really enjoy the way that they teach and what they teach um, and look into their lab, they all have websites online. Um, and yeah, that's usually how people get started. They'll just have a conversation with a professor and if there's enough space and if there's enough time in both of their schedules, they'll definitely work that out. And then that puts you in a really great position for when you get into senior year to write your thesis because then you'll already have that experience in a lab setting um, and you'll have maybe have worked on a bunch of other projects before then. So you'll definitely be in really good shape uh, from there. Yeah. And like just out of curiosity, so what is your senior thesis or what are you planning on doing it on? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I originally had 
one plan. Uh, we were going to do an experimental thesis based on perception and uh, perception in infants specifically uh, that had to do with uh, motor processing um, and the difference between tactile processing and sensory processing. So I was really excited about it. <laughs> but with everything that's been going on recently, um, my advisor kind of jumped the gun and was just like, you're already working on another project because I had been working on a, a meta-analysis uh, prior to having started thinking about my junior paper ideas. So she sort of just mentioned that, hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be home, so you can't do anything here. There won't be any preliminary data so that you can start your junior paper stuff. So um, she sort of recommended that we just sort of switch over to something that could be done remote. Um, so it's not as, you know, experimental and it's not as um, hands-on as I maybe would have dreamt it to be. But um, essentially, I am doing a meta-analysis on uh, infant attrition rates with FNIR studies. So infant FNIRs is a relatively new methodology in uh, neuroscience. So it's similar to maybe like an EEG. Um, and yeah, so it's just like this really convenient cap that you can put over kids' heads or adults' heads. But we were specifically focusing on um, infants in the baby lab. So um, so yeah, there's really high attrition rates in infant studies in general and infant FNIR studies. Um, and we wanted to sort of just figure out if there were any other factors that may be attributed to that. What is the overall attrition rate so that other researchers can sort of have a guide when they're conducting their research. Uh, you know, if they get 50 kids in a lab and they only end up using 25 of, of their infants for data analysis, you know, why is that? Is that because it was their malpractice or was or is that normal? Um, and sort of we're trying to figure out that baseline and, and have it be helpful in that way and see what are the factors that contribute to that. Is it the experimental design? Is it the age? Is it, um, you know, the particular topic that you're studying? So uh, there's a lot of factors that can go into it. And, and it's, you know, it's been exciting. It's, it's a lot of studies that we're looking at. It's a different kind of analysis. It's definitely not hands-on it's a lot of computer time but I see that you know that's going to be sort of our norm from now on for a while so um, I was glad that I at least had that backup um, but yeah thank you for asking <laughs> yeah for sure that sounds really interesting it's amazing that you can still continue like that type of research like from home which is really cool yeah, for sure yeah kind of moving on from research and towards the curriculum can you talk about like your favorite class or your favorite neuroscience class so far at Princeton and also or you could talk about your favorite professor? Oh gosh, there were so many interesting classes that I had to pick my favorite. Um, I'll say, okay, I'll start with professor. I, he actually is a psychology professor, but he works in the baby lab and so does a lot of work with neuroscience, so it works. Um, his name is Casey Lou Williams. He taught a developmental psychology class that I took my sophomore year and I was just blown away by his enthusiasm for um, this particular topic he just made me reevaluate my whole like career choice and was just um, just a pleasure to be in his class it was so exciting it was so refreshing to see a professor literally stand on top of a chair um, and and you know explain how important certain things were in regards to that um, particular field. So I, I really admired the way that he, um, the way that he taught and the way that he felt about his research. Uh, so that was definitely for professor. That's definitely <laughs> Casey Lou Williams. Um, for class, 
Oh gosh. There were so many fun ones. I, I guess I'll stick to maybe two. I just took one class on the neural basis of face perception. I'd never thought I would take a class on something so specific. Um, but at Princeton, the professors are, you know, top of their fields. So they really know what they're talking about and they hone in on, on the specific topic that they, or the specific research that they enjoy. So I took an entire class on just learning about face perception and what that, what that looked like on various different levels. Um, and it was just, yeah, it opened my eyes to neuroscience in a way that I, it hadn't been before just because, you know, you, you think about, I don't know, language and, and you're like, okay, I can study language, but what about language? And it just spreads into all of these different um, areas and disciplines. And, and that's sort of what that class did to me. It just made me realize like how interdisciplinary neuroscience really is. Um, even when you're talking about something so specific, um, which is why I really enjoyed being in that class. But, but yeah, there's a, there's a host of different classes at Princeton, specifically in neuroscience that you can take. Um, Another really interesting one that I took was neuroeconomics. So mixing in neuro and decision-making and economics and um, sort of how decision-making and memory and goal learning um, kind of go hand in hand. And, and that was really interesting, especially being someone who had never taken an economics class or wasn't really into, you know, finance and economics, but it was, it was definitely um, an interesting take. And again, interdisciplinary, that's, that's sort of how I like to think about neuroscience. It can really breach a bunch of different um, areas. Yeah. So our next question is focused on how, you know, obviously as an Ivy League university, studying at Princeton can be demanding. So we were kind of wondering, like, what does your daily schedule look like? What extracurriculars are you involved in? Do you have a lot of downtime to hang out with friends or go to the city? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so day to day, it, it really does depend. I feel like um, my freshman year was a little more hectic than my sophomore year, which was a little more hectic than my junior year. So I find I find that like over the years, you kind of get used to it in a sense. You get your rhythm at Princeton. Um, obviously, freshman year, you're coming in and you're blindsided. You don't know what to expect. So I felt like, you know, all these classes and the extracurriculars, it seemed like a lot and that I didn't have time, but um, you learn how to manage it uh, over the years. <laughs> um, but I would say as of last semester when I was able to be on campus, um, I would say you get a good amount of time for extracurriculars and downtime. Um, obviously, you do spend probably equal amounts of time, if not more, studying and doing work. Um, but I think what's been really rewarding at Princeton is just finding people within your classes and even just your friends and um, doing study study groups or just study time with your friends. Um, and that sort of, you know, you get your work done, but you also get to be around people that you really enjoy. Um, in terms of extracurriculars, I am involved with a, an organization called El Centro at Princeton and what we do is we take a group of students each week and we drive over to Trenton and we provide free uh, English classes to non-English speakers specifically Spanish speakers tends to be the bigger population um, and that happens um, once a week and I'm a peer leader of that group so it's it's been really nice um, and I get away from campus we call it the orange bubble at Princeton where it can feel like you know, there's really nothing else going on except Princeton, and you can kind of forget about the outside world um, because, you know, Princeton is your life. So, but getting out into Trenton once a week is actually really refreshing and, and sort of being able to see different faces other than the ones that you see every single day um, in class. So 
that's been something that I really loved. Um, I'm also, I work at Tiger Call at Princeton, which is um, a job on campus. And what we do is we contact alumni and we basically um, see if they'd be willing to contribute to the annual giving this year for that year. Um, and that's just a really great way to connect with alumni, get in touch with your Princeton spirit, um, and also just improve uh, communication skills and marketing skills and um, something that I've had a lot of fun with. I'm a lead caller there, so that's been uh, really nice. Uh, and then what else? What do I do for fun at Princeton? Princeton's just great because they have so many, we have a street called Nassau, and there are so many restaurants um, that you can try, so many places, little coffee shops that you can sort of just sit down in and do work in um, if you're feeling like working by yourself that day or with a friend. Um, and that's been something that I, you know, since freshman year, especially junior year, I made it a, a thing that I wanted to get out more. I wanted to leave campus more and go out into uh, Princeton, the city, and get to know it more. And that was actually uh, really nice and, and being able to engage with that, that community rather than just like Princeton University community um, was really great. Um, and that's something that we do a lot often as well. We kind of just go out and eat and try a new restaurant that opened down the street. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I would say that um, once you get your rhythm in at Princeton, it's, it's not too difficult to find a balance between um, your studies and your downtime and also your extracurriculars. It may seem like a lot, but really once you figured it out and figured out the formula that works right for you, um, I find that it becomes really manageable. So you talked about this already, but just to kind of go more in depth. So how easy is it to conduct research at Princeton? And can you talk about like any labs you were involved in? Yeah. So the way that I even found out that uh, people could um, start out in a lab as, as freshmen was after this one freshman seminar that I had with a professor. Her name was Sabine Kastner. And she was teaching a human toolmaker class. And I Loved it. It was amazing. Um, had a really heavy neuro focus as well, which was nice because I was still a freshman and was still deciding whether or not that was the track I wanted to go with. Um, and we were done with the class and I really enjoyed it. Really loved that professor. And one of the, one of my colleagues uh, came up to me and we had studied a lot for that class together. And she had come to me after the semester was over and mentioned that she had spoken with Professor Kastner about joining the lab. And I was like, my God, I didn't even know you could do that. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even think that professors would even want to engage in that kind of conversation with freshmen because I, in my mind, it was only when you're a senior, that's when they're going to care. That's your only opportunity. Um, and so, you know, I, she encouraged me to email her and we would do it together. So I emailed uh, Sabine Kastner and we <laughs> spoke for a while. I was in the lab for a little bit. Um, didn't continue with it just because of scheduling problems. Um, usually labs will meet once a week uh, during the school year and usually in the morning. So I actually had a class during that time. So the scheduling was really off. Um, so unfortunately only was in that lab for maybe like a month and then left and was like, it's okay, I'll have my opportunity again. Interviewing Professor Kastner next week. So. Oh my God, that's so crazy. We'll yeah. call her. I said hi. For sure, for sure. She's great. She another one that's like very willing to let people into her lab, and she's you know been so important for um, just freshmen in general at Princeton. She is very involved with freshmen at Princeton and very involved in getting them um, situated and comfortable. So that's going to be a really fun talk. She's great. I think what's important about that is the fact that if you find a professor that you really 
like that you really enjoy speaking with and being in the presence of and also just what they research in general if you take maybe like 10 minutes you can research their lab on their website and um, see what their research is about if it aligns with what you're interested in usually the professor will find space for you um, there are definitely graduate students who are more than happy to take on all the help they can get because a lot of the work is weighed on the graduate students for their particular projects so you know they're super happy when somebody can come in and take some load off um, and and so yeah and then like I mentioned, junior year is when people sort of start thinking about um, starting their thesis and what they want to write about. And that's when the department sort of encourages you to seek out an advisor. So the way that it works at Princeton, at least for the neuro department, is you will, they encourage you to look, look up professors or maybe think about professors that you've had in the past. Um, and then they'll encourage you to email them and meet with them. So you'll meet with maybe three, four, if you're already in a lab, then you're kind of set and you don't have to worry about it. Um, but if you're not, uh, you'll meet with the professor, you'll, you'll sort of talk about your interests and your goals in the lab and what it is that you want to accomplish um, and how your interests align. And then at the end, you'll rank your professors in order, or the professors that you met with, um, in order of you know your interests. And then I believe the professors also rank all the students that they met with. So then there's this sort of matching process that happens and um, you kind of ma usually match up with either your first or your second choice. Um, and from there, that professor will become your advisor and um, you'll usually start work your junior year, depending on what it is that you're doing. Not always does your junior paper have to match perfectly with your senior thesis. It's very feasible to do a junior paper and, and a senior paper that are in very different topics, but they, kind of recommend that you get the ball rolling your junior year just so you have a better idea um, and you can prepare accordingly. Like if you're gonna be at the lab in the summer, if you're gonna do work um, outside of you know regular school hours. So um, they usually encourage you to start thinking about that ahead and the professor will put you on projects that, um, that are of interest to you. And, and you know, I know uh, specifically that one colleague that I had who ended up staying in the Kastner lab, she started her own project and she, um, because she started so early, it was something that was completely her own, which is so exciting because when she's finally done with it, it's something that she can present um, really as her own idea and not just something that she was sort of tagged along in, which is still valid, but I, I think it's really, really great when, you know, you have your vision and then it's, it's sort of brought to life and you get to see the results um, in full time. So, um, so yeah, I think, Undergraduate research, specifically in the neuro department at Princeton, is very, um, it's definitely an opportunity that um, if you're willing and you, and you really want it early on, you can definitely get it. Professors are more than happy to work with undergrads. It's, um, it's what they're there for and, and they love teaching, they love what they do and they're so passionate about it. And I think that makes undergrads really passionate about it and is why a lot of people start off early in neuro. I think about half of our graduating class is going to have like would have started labs early before the junior year. So um, I, I, it's definitely an, a, a possibility. It's not something that is, um, as I thought, <laughs> was sort of like out of reach, but it definitely, it's, it definitely is not. So this is more of like a fun question, but what is the most surprising or unexpected thing you found as a neuroscience major at Princeton? How much um, there is that you can learn about neuroscience? Uh, there's so many 
topics and so many, uh, like I mentioned, just so many different routes that you can take. And what I really like about neuroscience that I sort of didn't know before getting into Princeton was just all of the opportunities um, that you can sort of take. I've seen people take a more uh, programming approach to neuroscience where they really are just trying to model the brain and um, trying to code it as if it were in a computer. And I think that that's fascinating. Um, you can definitely take it in a more clinical way and, and focus it on more pharmaceuticals and medicine. And then you can, you know, there's just so many different ways that you can take it. Um, and I've had my hand at a few when you get to learn what you like and what you don't like um, and where you stand. So I think that was the most surprising. I, I, maybe envision neuroscience as like this blanket topic that would have, you know, a very similar structure to maybe um, a more chem-based major or bio major uh, where people are sort of taking all the same classes. But with neuroscience, you can definitely structure it to, to model what it is that your interests are, which I really enjoy about the neuro department at Princeton. And just in general, like post-graduation, where do you see yourself with your neuroscience degree? And what are kind of like the most common paths that neuroscience graduates go through? Yeah. So in terms of common paths, um, I've seen a lot of people are pre-med. Um, it's, a, it's a really great pre-med option. It's also a very different pre-med option than other people choose to take. You know, people will resort to chemistry or biology uh, for their med school or for pre-med. Um, but a lot of kids are actually starting to take neuroscience as their major for, pre, for their pre-med track, which I think is wonderful and it also just kind of gives you an edge which is really nice um i know that a lot of other people are interested in taking neuroscience even further in their career in their educational career um, and a lot of people will go on and get their um, phds in neuroscience and want to work in research i've met a few people in my um in that department that have wanted to take that route uh, and that's really fantastic to start their own lab and be post-hocs and have it um, really be created your way and i think that's great um, so yeah, I find that those two typically are the, the main tracks, uh, me specifically, I feel like I'm an oddball. <laughs> um, I took, I really did, uh, start with neuroscience at Princeton, just out of interest. Um, it was something that I had never heard about before and I really just wanted to dive in and figure out what it was about because I didn't take any classes in high school. I had no prior knowledge on it and I, I really wanted to just, um, go all in with neuroscience and, and learn as much as I could. And, um, and I, you know, want to continue uh, in the future, but what I see myself uh, doing is just sort of graduating, going into um, uh, getting a master's degree in speech pathology. So I, I'm interested in working with uh, young children with uh, speech disorders um, and swallowing problems. Um, and hopefully um, also focus in on autism research as well which does also link to neuroscience. So, you know, I, I find that language and um, those neurological sort of deficits can also be um, linked to neuroscience. So it's not directly neuroscience going into grad school, but it, it definitely does have, have something to do with it. But I will say that my decision to become a speech pathologist definitely was influenced by just taking neuroscience classes, um, which is one thing that I will uh, forever <laughs> thank Princeton for. It put me on my track. Um, I, you know, I learned about my love for language and how it develops and also just, uh, children and, and how we develop in general. That was something that was extremely fascinating for me as I was learning. So, um, yeah, that definitely, uh, not as common of a tract, but, uh, 
definitely still excited about it and definitely hoping to keep neuroscience um, with under my belt at all times. <laughs> Great. Yeah, that's really cool how um, interdisciplinary neuroscience is and how it can lead to so many different paths. But um, our next question for you is like, just kind of in general, what your least favorite and like your favorite thing about neuroscience at Princeton is? That's a good question. Um, my, I can start with my least favorite thing. My least favorite thing sometimes is, and it's really not bad, um, but professors are so busy, which I understand, <laughs> I totally get. They're running labs, they have multiple projects, they're teaching classes. Uh, but sometimes when you try um, to email them, like a lot of them will just be unresponsive. So uh, it does take a few times, maybe a second or third email to really get their attention. Um, so it's really not too bad of a thing at, uh, for neuroscience at Princeton, but it is something that you know can get a little frustrating. Um, and mostly professors will know who they like, who those people are, and they'll they'll admit to it. Um, without hesitation, uh, which is nice. <laughs> At least they admit to it. But um, I think my, what was my favorite thing? I honestly just think the the sense of, again, I, I'll go back to community every time because that, I think that really just does embody Princeton as a whole. And I've seen that in the, specifically the lab that I'm in now, everybody is so committed to keeping that community and really just checking in on each other seeing how everyone's doing, um, ensuring that we are doing the best work that we can. Um, you know, we've had multiple lab meetings discussing current events that, that have been going on and making sure that we're adjusting properly and in the correct way. And also just, yeah, the, the support is immeasurable at Princeton. Um, the grad student that I work with, she is amazing. I hats off to her. Like she, she has guided me through, um, two semesters at Princeton and, and really just navigating um, lab in general and something that I wasn't even familiar with really. So um, the commitment I think to undergraduate research and just the community within neuroscience and specifically the lab that you will be a part of is really apparent and um, I think that that's definitely been my favorite part of being a neuroscience student at Princeton. Do you have any advice for like the college application process? Because most of the people watching this will probably be rising seniors. Yeah, um, definitely. Wow, haven't had to thought about. I haven't had to think about that in a, quite a long time. It kind of just like triggered my, <laughs> my anxiety from that time. But um, yeah, I think it is a, a very strenuous process to go through. Um, you know, everyone's kind of been through it. Um, I think my advice to you would just be to just be reassured that everything will happen the way that it's supposed to happen. Um, do things to your, the best of your ability, and then the rest is sort of just left up to the universe, I like to say. Um, you know, there's only so much that you can do. Don't beat yourself up over um, petty decisions. Um, you know, try your best, put in all you have, and, and then from there, kind of things are just not in your control. So, um, but also just remain positive and, and be really excited about your future because no matter where you end up, you're, as long as you're excited and as long as you're determined to learn and grow as a student and as an individual, you are going to be amazing anywhere that you end up. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and so our last question for you is, what advice would you give to any high schoolers listening? And if you have any tips for high schoolers in general who just want to learn more about neuroscience. 
Yeah. Um, I would just say, it, you know, if you're just even remotely interested in neuroscience, there are so many resources out there right now. I think, like I said before, what you guys are doing is amazing. You know, as it's as simple as listening to a podcast that can spark your interest. Um, there are also a lot of YouTube videos out there. Watch a TED talk about, you know, a, a scientist who just put out some research, uh, watch, watch a clip about, you know, oh, how do we, you know, how do we swallow or how did we coordinate this movement and how do, you know, just day-to-day -day things that may spark your interest about the brain, look it up and, and look at a video about it. Um, you might surprise yourself and, um, really just go into a deep dive. <laughs> Uh, which is definitely what I did. I, I would definitely recommend to just be fearless. And if you find something that you're interested in, roll with it, go with it, see if you really like it. If you don't, that's okay. There's so many other things that you can learn about that you can focus your time on and um, you have time to do those things. So I, I would definitely say to trust your instincts, uh, go after your interests, don't go for the norm, do whatever feels right for you and what you think is really interesting. Great, and that wraps up our questions for you. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us with the College Neuro Network. Your responses were super insightful and will definitely help any high schoolers who are looking to major minor neuroscience or go to Princeton. <laughs> thank, thank you guys. You. This is so fun.